Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. So he doesn't really need an introduction because he's been here longer than I have. But uh, it's a delight and an honor uh, to invite our rabbinic intern, uh, Jonathan Adler, who is joining us and will be joining us um, multiple times a month uh, or something around there. You'll be around a lot, thank heaven. Um, joining us from New York City. How's New York? All right, cool. Uh, same. Uh, but uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. I know that everyone has benefited for the last year, and we look forward to more with you, but hearing words of tour from you at this time. So excited to get to work with you and learn with you here. I have beautiful memories of learning Torah with my childhood rabbi. One of the constant themes was the beneficence of God. God was omnipotent, sure. Omnipresent, absolutely. But most of all, God was beneficent, benevolent, completely, totally good. It's weird to be a rabbinical student now and study the Torah much more closely than I did as a kid. There's some not so nice stuff in there. Things that challenge my own personal conception of God. And I started to think maybe the bad is included to help us better appreciate the good. And there's a lot of good. Many blessings in this week's Parsha Kitavo. But Deuteronomy chapter 8 brings some serious tests about understanding the divine. The reading, as well as the reading in Parsha Behukotai in Leviticus, include a session called the Tochacha. Tochacha meaning rebuke, a very strong statement of disapproval. The Tochacha, though, it's, it's not just. Verses of rebuke. If you do not obey your God, Adonai, to observe faithfully all the commandments and laws which I enjoin upon you this day, all these curses shall come upon you and take effect. The Tokacha is curses. Just as God has created good, so too God has created evil curses. Perhaps not, God isn't proud of this, but these curses exist. And in today's reading, Moses describes these evils and their consequences. He enumerates a vast number of curses, which God has told him would befall the Israelites, us, as a response to failure to comply with God's commandments. An example, one of the tame examples, Adonai will strike you with madness blindness and dismay. You shall grope at noon as the blind grope in the dark. You shall not prosper in your ventures, but shall constantly be abused and robbed with none to give help. Other curses are much more graphic, so repulsive and offensive that, as Cantor mentioned, rabbinic tradition dictates that unlike every other reading, which were instructed should be read loudly, clearly, and with great pride, uh, as Joss Davison did so wonderfully and correctly for us, the Tochacha, these curses, 
are to be read in a quieter voice and in a quick fashion. It's also not an honor to be called up for this aliyah the way it is for every other aliyah. Traditionally, it's given to the rabbi. We just want to get it over with. This isn't to say that we're ignoring or whitewashing. We still read these disconcerting verses. They are part of our Torah, the central document of our history, of our laws, of our faith. Now, as a rabbinical student, I learned there's a historical precedent for curses like this in covenantal documents from contemporary cultures. This requires a brief history lesson. So if you hate history, turn, tune out for the next two minutes. I'll let you know when it's over. So this is based on scholarship by Dr. George Mendenhall, which I learned from one of my teachers, Dr. Benjamin Summer. The Hittites, another Semitic society that dates from the 1700s to 1200s BCE, and which we read about in the Torah, were known to have covenantal treaties. These began with an explanation of the relationship between the king making a proclamation and his vassal. This is followed by a historical narrative emphasizing what the king has done for his vassals using examples of specific events. The parallel in the Torah, God created the world for us and brought us out of Egypt to be our God. Next, stipulations, the laws and obligations which the vassal agrees to uphold. Exclusive loyalty to the king is mandated. Appearance before the king at least once a year is also required. An interesting parallel to our statements of allegiance to God and the expectation that all will come to the temple in Jerusalem at certain fixed times to offer sacrifices and demonstrate our commitment. There's a requirement of a special place for the document to be housed and for it to be read publicly on a fixed schedule. Sounds like Torah to me. A few other requirements lead up to a section on blessings and curses. Scholars find many comparisons between Deuteronomy chapter 28, the blessings and curses of today's Parsha, with extant Hittite documents. Okay, enough biblical history for today. Everybody come back. And the bottom line, curses like these were an important part of ancient contracts. Great, but so what? After all, Torah was given to Moses at Sinai. So does it matter if other documents were existing in other societies at that time and they had curses? So what? We have this divine scroll given to us by God in which God tells us, using Moses as his messenger, or a messenger, all of these horrible things that will happen to us if we don't follow the laws given to us in the Torah. The Torah, though, it's more than just a collection of laws. It's our heritage. It's the story of creation. The Torah is the most important book, well, five books, 
that exist. We are taught that everything in the Torah is there for a reason. And so the rabbis ask, since the Torah's primary function is to be a book of laws, why does it start with the story of creation instead of beginning with the first mitzvah? Midrash gives us an example which Rashi reiterates in his commentary. Genesis's narrative of God's creation of the world teaches us that the world and everything within it, tevel belong to the creator, to God. Thus, it is God's right to decide who gets to inherit which parts of it. Since God created the Holy Land, only God is able to decide who to give the land to. Us. Us, the nation of Israel. You might be asking yourself, okay, what does this have to do with rebuke, with the curses of the Torah? What do we learn from the fact that these curses are here in our Torah, that we're reading them this close to Rosh Hashanah when we're thinking about repentance and trying to be our best selves as we approach the new year? Do we really need to be reminded that there might be negative consequences to not following God's mitzvot? From the get-go, the Torah is about God. Every word, the story of creation and the tochecha. So perhaps the tochecha is God's way of telling us that God knows we're not always going to be able to walk the path. We're not always going to make the right choices or decisions. But then again, God wasn't always proud of God's own decisions. I'm thinking about Noah and the flood and the covenant that God made to never again destroy humanity. But in the Tochicha, Moses says, Adonai will let loose against you calamity panic and frustration in all the enterprises you undertake so that you shall soon be utterly wiped out because of your evil doing in forsaking me. Is God threatening to no longer uphold God's pact with Noah? Not to mention God's covenants with Abraham or with Moses, that Israel will be God's people whom God will protect and watch over, and to whom God will give the land of Israel. Is God contradicting God's own self? So I stand here puzzled by the God I learned about as a child, the beneficent God, the God who promised to protect us. And these verses of curse, of horror, of rebuke, make me wonder, what kind of deity curses like this? What do we learn about God when we discover that God presents us with the horrifying statements included in this Parsha? Although we've already, dis already discussed the answer that biblical history scholars might offer, that doesn't satisfy me theologically. It's not easy to reconcile the Tokacha 
with the conception of an all of a benevolent, all-powerful God. But is God always benevolent or all-powerful? Some pretty awful things happen in the Torah. Slavery, fratricide. I hope you've read it. Some pretty awful things are happening in our time, too. We hear it on the news every night. Why does all this evil exist in a world that God created for us? How can a beneficent, benevolent God allow horrible things, these and others, to come to pass? Maybe, just maybe, the Tokakla is included here in Deuteronomy to remind us that everything, everything including evil, including suffering, was created by God. We know that God is the source of Kodesh, of holiness, but God also created Chol, the not holy, the profane. I can't imagine that God takes pride in any of these curses, nor does God want to afflict us with the terrors threatened in these psukim. But just like the good that God has created, the promise of God's protection to Noah under the rainbow, the vow that Israel will be a great nation given to Abraham, the covenants God makes with Moses and with David, and we know that terrible things are still going to happen, drought, earthquakes, genocide, suffering in so many different forms. And while I refuse to believe that God makes these things happen as a response to bad behavior on our part, what if the tochacha is God's way of reminding us that even though God may not be proud of it, God's creations include not just the good, but also the awful. God has given us the sacred, but God has also given us the profane. It's not a quid pro quo. Suffering is not going to happen just because you didn't observe a particular mitzvah. Nobody's going to die an agonizing death just because they put bacon on their burger. But every sandwich, kosher or not, and every life and every death, are God's creation. So let's focus on the blessings of this parsha. Why should we worry about the rebuke, the tokacha? Instead, let's focus on the beautiful, good things that God has created for us. The rainbow under which God made the divine promise of protection to Noah. The beauty of Shabbat, especially this welcome back Shabbat. The gift of being together, of having 25 hours separate from the rest of the week. Time that is sacred, Kodesh. Yes, there's Chol, profane. But if there weren't, how would we be able to recognize or appreciate the beauty, the divine, inherent within the Kodesh, the bad? That evil helps us appreciate the wonderful, the gorgeous, 
the miracles of goodness with, with which we are constantly, constantly being blessed. This Shabbat, as we enter the last full week of 5782, remember the bad, but as we make tshuva for the mistakes we've all made over the past year, let us also remember that God offers us more blessings than curses. This, this is what my rabbi taught me as a kid, and it's what we can all do today at any age. Focus on good rather than bad. And may we all enter 5783, focusing on blessings, focusing on the Kodesh, focusing on the good. Shabbat Shalom.